0: We joke about money solves all problems. Man, when you buy an asset, use data so you don't have to do a lot of work. Smoke out the great deals, buy something really cheap. You can market it all wrong and do very well.
1: Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I wanna invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference great way to earn money and also if you're planning on attending great way to pay for your ticket essentially you get enough sales so you can go to bec20.com and in the top left corner it says earn 15 percent as an affiliate you can click that join the affiliate program and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best Ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff. With us today, Stephen Jack Butella and Jill DeWitt. How you two doing? Excellent, Joe. Good. I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to our conversation. So a little bit about their company. They've been investing in real estate since 1999, built a $24 million land resale empire, completing close to 16,000 transactions without incurring any debt or leverage based in Los Angeles, California. So with that being said, you two want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
2: Yeah, Joe, it'd be great. I cut my teeth probably 25 or 30 years ago as a commercial real estate broker and quickly learned that I couldn't stand to cold call.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I devised this system to collect data for commercial real estate property owners. And back then, this is before the internet, put together a system where I would fax them overnight, blind offers for their property with a pretty substantial degree of like immediate success. So fast forward now to 2019, I got sick of doing those complicated transactions back then and decided that buying land and specifically unwanted land for much lower than I could resell it for on the internet was the way to go. And here we are.
1: Got it. Okay. And what were you doing when you started to collect data on property owners and fax them blind offers. Like how are you getting that information? That's
2: a great question. I've learned of my own interest and I guess I would say now obsession with data. And back then, the highest quality data that you could find, again before the internet, was about healthcare related office complexes and nursing homes and assisted living type facilities for for whatever reason there was a tremendous amount of data collected on that and with associated fax numbers. So I literally took a phone book size book and input it into Excel and and created this through some programming and stuff. I call it a form fax, but it's really like a mail merge fax situation. So right around 2003, I learned about RealQuest Pro, which was first back then, first American titles data arm. And since then we've become licensed providers of that and several other data sources. But for us, it's all about manipulating, sending offers to owners and getting the responses and having all that traffic come back to you and deciding what properties you want to buy. So how do you two divvy up responsibilities?
0: Good question. Well, I always say is make my phone ring, whether it's on the buy side or the sell side. So. When I came into this, I had a very heavy sales background and I am not afraid to pick up the phone, answer the phone, talk to people. And Jack and his data, he's not really into talking on the phone. He's more about just getting it going, getting the response. So that's what he does. He gets the offers out. He prices them. He makes sure it's perfect. And then my team and I come in on the buy side, carry them all the way to completion. And then same thing on the sell side. That's what my forte is.
1: Got it. Okay. And how long have you two been partnering up?
0: Gosh, going on, it's a little over 10 years now. So tell us about
1: a typical transaction.
2: By the way, we buy land, we buy houses, small apartment buildings. So it's not just limited to land any longer, but a typical land transaction for us. I mean, I can have the spreadsheet now of what we have on the table. I'll send out, I don't know, 10,000 offers ballpark. We own a company called Offers to Owners, which is a bulk mail printing company. And we obviously provide a huge discount to ourselves and to our land academy and house academy members. So I'll send out 10,000 offers costs, probably 3000 to 5,000 bucks for every 300 to 400 mailers we send out, we end up buying a property. So a typical deal for us would be, I just reviewed one right before this call. Mm -hmm. It was a 40 acre property in Southeastern New Mexico, just on the outskirts of town, surrounded by structures and stuff like that for about four to $5,000. And in that particular case, We'll resell the property through the MLS probably
1: mm-hmm.
2: for about twenty grand, maybe twenty two. Twenty two an 1,
1: acre?
2: Thousand. No, it's forty acres. We're buying it for about five thousand dollars and Total. we'll wholesale it for about twenty two thousand.
1: Mm-hmm. Got it. Not for okay. Um, I need to shift my gear into New Mexico prices. Right. <laughs> you two are in LA, so I'm sure you'd do the same thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: twenty two thousand dollars for forty acres. So, how are you finding these leads? What's that process? So,
2: I very simply take the entire universe of properties in a given county. If you can imagine, there's houses, land, all kinds of stuff that you can dream up in there. And I scrub out everything that I'm not interested in for that particular mailer. Mm -hmm. In this case, it would be houses, strip malls, any commercial property, any property owned by a municipality, cemeteries, hospitals, on and on and on. There's a massive list. We actually have built algorithms to do this for us. So what I end up with is a good, clean scrub of property that are owned by individuals or let's say LLCs, and they get an offer from us. And it's kind of more art than science at a point where you have to price that. And our whole goal is to get them to sign the offer and send it back or to call Jill back and say, you know, 5,000 bucks doesn't work, but 6,000 might work. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And then we go from there. What are you scrubbing for exactly in order to get from the initial list to the scrub down list?
2: likely sellers. Okay. So John and Sally Smith are very likely sellers. If they have a 40 acre property or a 20 acre property in wherever the, with the county that I've chosen, they're a very likely seller. Why?
0: Right too, Joe. It's, we're not trying to seek out any particular thing. It's just that they've owned it. We don't even look for how long they've owned it. And the whole goal here, I want the best part of my job is that people are calling back because our offer is in their ballpark. He takes all the work out of it. I'm not sitting here going down and cold calling everyone in the county saying, "Do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? Do you want to sell?" Or do I send out a generic offer that says, "If you want to sell, call me," because then again, everybody will call back and they'll all want top dollar. That's mm-hmm. not what we do. We send out real strategic, professional, respectable offers to these sellers, and they get them and they open them and they read them and they say, "You know what, Sally." I even forgot we owned this. And aren't we still paying the taxes on it? We're not going to retire there. The kids don't want it. I'm calling. And then I get nothing but quality people. Again, they like my price. It's in their range and we're just going to buy it and solve a problem for them usually.
1: And what makes them likely sellers?
0: Use it because it's paid for. That's really what we look for. And most of the thing is rural vacant land. It's very hard to get a mortgage on. Most of it is Paid for them.
1: But you said that you don't look to see how long they've owned it. So you don't necessarily know if it's paid for or not, right?
2: What makes them a likely seller is this imagine this if every single person who owns a piece of rural vacant land, it's not developed in a given county, with the exception of government entities and any individuals and LLCs, let's say, everybody gets an offer from us, every single person. And the likely sellers choose themselves. So we just blanket the whole thing with an actual offer. So instead of us waking up in the morning to go find all these likely sellers, Mm -hmm. they find us. Jill wakes up, sits down at her desk and there's many, many envelopes literally to open that have signed offers in them or her mailbox is full and are now her staff to return the call. So they find us. I blanket it.
1: And how do you determine how much to offer to make that a fair offer? As Jill mentioned,
2: that's an excellent question. So It's very, very different for specific product types. Three major product types that we deal in now are rural vacant land, infill lots, which are properties in an urban setting, and then houses. We buy tons of all three. Rural vacant land is a little bit more tricky to price because you have to do a lot of research about what's on the MLS, what's on landandfarm.com, what's on landwatch.com. We own a site called landpin.com. You got to kind of get a feel for what property sells for there. Mm-hmm. We try to come in at 20 or 30% of the actual retail price and okay. sell it for maybe 50% of its worth.
1: Okay. So that is with rural and vacant land. What about infilots and...
2: Infilots is a function of what house values are in the very immediate area. Info lots and houses are really exciting from a data perspective because there's so much data available in this internet age we're in. So if a house sells for $200,000, if you ask any home builder... They'll tell you they're very willing to pay twenty to twenty-five percent for the land on a house that they build. So if it's two hundred thousand dollars, twenty percent of that is about forty grand. I try to get in at ten or fifteen thousand and mark it up about ten grand and really quickly sell it to a home builder. Okay. For so houses, it's even easier.
1: Twenty to twenty five percent of the value of homes equals the land value as a rule of thumb. That's right. Oh, interesting. Okay. How does that fluctuate, if at all, from where you live to where it sounds like Jill's originally from?
2: <laughs> well, Jill and I started the company in Arizona, and we lived in a house that was about, you know I don't know. We don't live in very logical areas to do this in. <laughs> uh-huh. <Right. laughs> we, okay. we live right on the Pacific Ocean, and I'm not sure that this whole model would work there. <laughs> right, right.
1: But as far as that percentage, though, would you say just... Estimate, would you say LA is still within 20, 25% of home prices, the the land equals that compared to Des Moines, Iowa or or something like that?
2: So I don't want to complicate this for your listeners, but... Please try. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) There is a construction cost component. So in my mind, the rock bottom new construction cost is going to be about a hundred bucks a foot. If you're really pulling out the stops, it goes to maybe 250, even 300 a foot. So if you take our neighborhood, rural vacant land goes for about 4 million bucks a lot. And when you pull out the stops and, and build a 3,000 square foot house for let's say $300 a foot, that's a million bucks. So now you're sitting at a com- theoretical completed asset at $5 million, that's probably worth seven. So you have to go in. There's a lot of analysis upfront that I do when the transactions happen in different markets. But I'll tell you. We do really well in Phoenix, Las Vegas, Tampa. Those are the markets that are really high growth, inbound population, increased environments. And their cost of living is really, the real estate component of the cost of living is very low.
1: Mm -hmm. What are
2: some markets that you
1: have been in, but you're no longer in?
2: I'm from Michigan and all of Michigan, I can't get to work with any product type, and it baffles me. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure why. Well, I was going to ask you that, but you don't have any (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm not alone. I've really tried to figure this out.
1: Yeah. Because you find some land and then you just can't find the buyer or you can't find the land or what?
2: The yield. So I micromanage our mailer yield. And for whatever reason, our yield is just atrocious in Michigan. So I can send out thousands of letters and just not really get any real responses. Even
1: Grand Rapids area?
2: Yeah. Seth Williams is in our space. I don't know if, yep. if you've interviewed I, you yeah, or know him. Of course. So Seth is really a hands-on. He's got a 616 area code phone number, and he does okay there. But we do have more of a shotgun approach to all of this than a rifle approach.
1: Got it. And what's a market that you weren't in, but you have now had a lot of success in? If Northern and
2: Central California are on fire for us.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so what's a typical deal- there look like or maybe a specific example would
2: be even better i'll give you a couple of examples we're doing several transactions in lassen county right now where there seems to be a lot of subdivided 20 acre properties there we buy them for two to four thousand dollars each and sell them for what wholesale them out like 10 mm-hmm. to 12 Easy, maybe 15 fast,
0: right they love them
2: like that week
0: Modoc's good we have some other great areas yeah. up there it's treeed and it's pretty and people love it
1: and Jill, switching gears a little bit to your area of focus, what are some typical objections that a seller has and how do you resolve them?
0: Usually it just comes down to the situation. Like The kids will find it and our only issues are sometimes undoing trust issues and just kind of finding people sometimes. And then we can undo that. I have access to everything I can and uh a lot of our deals, we close them through title. So they take care of them right there. But even before I get it to title, I want to make sure you know, is everybody alive and able to sign.
2: There's a huge misconception out there, Joe, about willing property to your heirs. If I own a piece of property and I pass away and I have a will that says, I'm going to give all my stuff to my kids and the property remains in my name and I pass away and the kids say, great, I own the property. They actually don't. Depending on the state, there's a huge legal component to this. So The kids learn this eventually because maybe a potential buyer before us gets in there and they say, you know what? There's nothing we can do on this without legal action. So Mm -hmm. we get a lot of calls like that and we can undo and solve a lot of those problems. Over the years, we've become experts at that. And how do you solve that? It's a very, very, very geographically specific. With it in California, it tends to be a lot easier than certain states. You need a death certificate and an affidavit and you can go through it. And most title agents can do it or will do it for you. Mm Right. In Arizona, it takes a probate action. It's almost prohibitive. You have to almost do a quiet title action to undo it. Mm. So consequently, if you go to Arizona, there's a lot of back tax property there, which is a whole different animal because people just aren't willing to go th- to spend two or $3,000 to get an asset that's worth two or $3,000 in their name. So it's real geographically specific.
1: Got it. Taking a step back, based on y'all's experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever for investors? Go ahead, Jill.
0: Oh. I have to think about my best real estate investing advice, learn how to use data to do the heavy lifting, which is everything that Steven has taught me. And then everything works out. We joke about money solves all problems, man. When you buy an asset, use data so you don't have to do a lot of work. Smoke yeah. out the great deals, buy something really cheap. You can market it all wrong and do very well.
2: Mm-hmm. We just did a podcast with this title and it answered the exact question that you're saying. I like to say it like this good acquisitions solve yep. all problems.
0: Yep.
1: Right. Makes sense.
2: We're going we to get
0: excited. That's just so <laughs> funny, Joe. I, even though I'm the sales part of the team, you know, yep. and I really love being in charge of all that, I get excited on the buy side. And now one of the roles that I've taken on is we do deal funding for our Land Academy, House Academy members, and it kind of rolls through me. And I approve the transactions and fund the deals. And, and I just get excited on the buy side because we know how it's going to go. You know when you bought it. Wow, this is a home run. Quickly, let's close this deal. We got to own this kind of thing. And it's the greatest.
1: We're going to do a lightning round. You two ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. Perfect. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top Left-hand corner, you can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast, hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer, interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthis.com podcast.com. Best ever book you've recently read?
2: The best book I've ever read is not a real estate book at all. It's called Showing Up for Life and it was written by Bill Gates Sr. Yeah, Bill Gates that we know, his father.
1: Got it.
0: Wayne Dyer.
2: <laughs> uh, yes.
0: Everything Wayne Dyer. <laughs> I have him around the house all the time. <laughs>
1: Noted. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
2: The biggest mistake I've made, and this isn't transaction specific, the biggest mistake I've made is not believing in marketing, specifically internet marketing. And I got my butt handed to me around 2009 because of that. It almost sunk the ship, but luckily we cured our ways.
1: And will you elaborate a little bit more on that?
2: I had a single marketing channel. We were selling a tremendous amount of property on eBay. We were doing about 30 transactions a day on on eBay and the bottom fell out of that market. And it was a classic example of a single point of failure slash all your eggs in one basket. And all we had to do is just plan for a downturn and have a bunch of. Now we have got, now we probably have 20 to 30 channels of marketing through social media and our websites and a network of buyers and a massive email list and all of that. So my advice to somebody who's brand new is to really develop those networks and start now.
1: What's the best ever deal you've done?
2: The best deal I ever did was a deal early on where I purchased a ton of property right at the Grand Canyon for a very small amount of money and resold it about six months later. And we netted over, this is really early in my career, almost $900,000. Best ever way you'd like to give back to the community?
0: Land Academy. Yeah.
2: We started a whole (laughs)
0: company. (laughs) We spent the last couple of years really growing and even put our own acquisitions and things on hold a bit to really give back and help the planet. And we have hundreds of members now that several that we know that are making more money than us every month. And that's the greatest feeling ever. We have taught them everything that we do, and they are killing it.
1: And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you all are doing?
0: Buwit.com, B-U-W-I-T.com shows all of our companies. Land Academy, House Academy, direct mail company, how to get data, our online communities, tons of free stuff. Or just go to Land Academy or House Academy, our podcasts and videos and YouTube and all kinds of good stuff.
1: Awesome. Well, YouTube, thank you so much for being on the show talking about your business model, what works, what doesn't work, what you have in place now to make sure you're set up so that if one marketing channel does not go according to plan, then you've got many others that can pick up the slack and also just the overall approach for how you're finding sellers and how you think about making offers and the type of offers that you make. So appreciate you two being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you
2: again soon. Thanks, Joe. Pleasure.
1: Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at This podcast.com. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com.